Undoing the Common Podcast. This is background noise from Undoing, a podcast about entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs, and by entrepreneurs. And because we are entrepreneurs too, we have to skip some of the expensive luxuries like sound studios, but we keep the conversations real, raw, uncut, and complete with all the background noises. Today, in the throes of COVID's cascading path of destruction, a good news story with Jason Zaris, founder of Fit Kitchen. This is Background Noise. Entrepreneurialism is a tough go at the best of times. Mix in a little black swan event like a global pandemic, and you really get a sense of whether you were cut out for this or not. As we'll find out in today's podcast, Calgary entrepreneur Jason Zarin has had his share of business lessons, as he likes to call them, always the optimist. But with a significant pivot in the way he got his super healthy, ready-made meals to market and an intensified focus on his intention, Fit Kitchen is one of the few small businesses which has found a new gear not in spite of the health crisis, but almost because of it. We spoke about this, his journey to this point, and some valuable business insight for anyone crazy enough to cut bait and go solo. First, as usual, we go basement to basement for a little reflection on this talk with Undoing co-founder Mark Boivin. It is somewhat counterintuitive to think about, you know, oh, somebody is profiting from this. Because what you think of when people profit from something like this is that they they back up their truck with a bunch of N95 masks and they've got uh, hand sanitizer that they can't return that's sitting in their garage or whatever. But this is somebody, a legitimate business person, somebody who has you know, worked hard at different businesses his whole life and all of a sudden finds himself in a unique position where what he has is mobile, doesn't require a physical location, you know, is meeting a need that has become increasingly more acute, just that idea of delivery of meals and uh, that are, you know, not only just sort of finished for you mostly, but also nutritious, especially in these times where people, you know, if you think about we're a month in, how well are people eating? So he's got all of these trends that at times were working against him are now all crashing like waves for him. And it's just sort of like, how is he going to uh, manage this thing? And so you listen to this podcast and this guy is a serial entrepreneur as you know, as we use the term loosely, but I mean, it's just, it's something that gets used. It's in the vernacular, but he's gone from, you know, venture to venture, different things, tried different things, varying levels of success as you'll hear. But it's interesting to hear, you know, the idea that you need other people, you need other companies, you need a network, you need to, to grow and build with others. Cause those are who you're going to lean on, especially in times like we're in now. So um, it is sort of almost a dichotomy, but you know, it's something that I heavily push with, my students in my classes, I talk about the importance of building a network and it's not cheesy networking events. You build a network because you have mutual benefit that comes from the relationship. And, you know, I think that's the big thing here is Jason talks about, well, you know, I wanted to do stuff on my own, wanted to run my own thing, but I need others around me. So I think that was probably what the big takeaway was for me as something that people should think about, especially in times now, what, what does your network look like? not just of people you've met at an event and have a business card, but are there, are there people within your network for your company or for your job search or whatever that, you know, you can lean on at a time like this. And knowing Jason, as long as I have, I can vouch for the fact that it's authentic. And we talk about that in the interview about 
having to come out of your shell as an entrepreneur. And I, I think we can even remove the word entrepreneur now. If you're a student about to graduate this year or in the next few years or whenever, and you say to yourself, you know, especially this one, and you know this line as well, I'm going into accounting or finance. I don't need to be sociable. There's no avoiding the fact that you've got to put yourself out there. So like you say, networking is it's a fine art, right? And again, it's one of those things that you and I talk about in between the pages and in between the lectures and in between the slide decks, those competency-like things that students need to pick up. Yeah, and I would say one of the things that I, I, I communicate to my students, but if, if you have something, so let's say you're a student and you are in finance or accounting or whatever, and you're like, I got the numbers, I got a job, I got stability, big six or whatever. The thing we are realizing now is that if something can be automated right now, it is being automated. So if there is something that a computer can do, something that is relatively straightforward, repetitive, something that could be put into a computer and done, if that is your job, you should be worried right now. So somebody who has a skill set that requires, in, in, in an industry that requires communication, that requires interpersonal interaction, that requires networking and, and working together and building trust and doing those things, that's what's going to be valuable. That's what's going to be important. And, and that is the thing that, you know, Jason talks about, refers to, and as you sort of described, that is his personality. So it is really important for people to see. And, and I, you know, we've talked, re referenced this before, the idea of a soft skill. It makes it sound like it's some sort of a squishy little doll and you, you know, you squeeze it and it feels all good. No, this is the hard one to get. These are the hard ones to achieve. So this is a really good lesson to me for people to listen to the podcast in understanding that you have to go beyond the, the, the structured, go beyond the numbers, go beyond just sort of, you know, pluses and minuses. And we are living in such a gray area right now. In that gray area lies a lot of things, emotional intelligence, communication skills, networking. So I think that's the real thing that I want people to think about when they listen to this. And also you and I worked with Jason in late 2019. Did you find him open? You know, we, as you admit and talk about in the podcast, you guys are friends, you've known each other for a while. So I can come and be, you know, a little more objective. The interesting thing is, is that I've done this sort of debrief with clients before in what we've done. And, you know, over the years I've done it and some people are receptive and, and some people aren't. One thing I'll say about Jason is he takes the time to think about what you're saying. He gives it thought. He doesn't just react and, and agree or react and disagree. He's thinking about it. The wheels are turning. And then there was a couple of moments when we worked with him where, you know, I said something about his, I think it was his target market and the light went on and you just could sort of see, he immediately started to think about how all the things that he could do with it. So it was really neat to work with him and somebody who is, has humility and, you know, has, you know, a, a number of different experiences in the past. So, you know, to me, it was pretty clear that, those characteristics, the ability to listen, the ability to learn, the willingness to do those things, and the humility through all of it, I think that puts him in good stead now, as things crazily enough in our world right now have turned to the positive for him. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen with him and for him. So rather than you and I tell the story, why don't we uh, do as this podcast is designed to do and let the entrepreneur tell the story? Absolutely. Let's listen. Yeah, Jason Zarin uh, with uh, Fit Kitchen here in Calgary, owner, operator, founder, been in business since 2015 with Fit Kitchen. Prior to that, uh, the founder and operator of 
the main dish in Calgary, which we started in 2006. Awesome. So Jason, we'll make no secret about the fact that we've known each other a long time. And uh, when we first decided that we were going to do a podcast of this form back in the fall of 2019, you still had a thriving retail, like brick and mortar um, retail operation with Fit Kitchen. And the world had no idea what Corona was other than a brand of beer. So fast forward all these months, you were always on the list to get on this podcast. Uh, you're in episode number 10, fittingly. I just, I made the top 10. That's good, Dave. Thanks, buddy. You cracked you know, I was always 10. on the list, but I didn't crack top five. Crack top 10. That's well, good. You know, that gives you something to aim for. You're some, like a consummate salesman. You just kept me on the hook. Good job, buddy. I like it. Even though that relationship, we go back to grade four, you put me at number 10. Let's talk about those early beginnings, perhaps not grade four level, but yeah, that's I've known cool. you through all these through all these years. We went to say it at the same time, you in business and me in broadcasting. And you went out as a lot of business students do and got the nine to five job. Let's start there and and sort of tease out the entrepreneurial spirit that started to arise within you. Yeah, you know, I I was probably like a lot of kids didn't know what you wanted to do after high school. So my dad got me you know, I, I think he got tired of seeing my my face at home and uh, doing a little bit too much partying and not enough working. So I had a grocery job basically, which was paying for my lifestyle and going to college. And um, my dad is the one that got me started at SAIT because he was an instructor there. And and uh, Dave, I think you owe some of that credit to my dad to maybe get you set up at SAIT back in the day as well. But uh, my dad signed me up for business because I didn't really know what I was going to do. And got into the business program and I can't say that I was super passionate, but you know, I always appreciated business. I had an uncle that was quite successful as an entrepreneur, as a real estate developer. And I think I really took up, um, I saw his lifestyle and I saw what he did and it, it intrigued me. And I think that helped me when I was in business. That was one of the things that, um, kept the fire light is, is probably you know, that uncle, you always tend, you tend to, I think most people tend to have somebody in their sphere of influence that they look at that maybe is an, an inspiration in one way, shape or form, whether it's business or fitness or um, relationships, what it might, whatever it might be. But that helped me through business coming out of that though. I really never had a, I can't say I knew, I always knew I wanted a business of my own. I didn't know what that would be. And coming out of college, um, I did like many do, you, you know, you got to get a job, pay the bills, and uh, start your career by learning. And so I got into the food business. I, I started with uh, a company called Boyle Midway back in the day and then made my way through Sunripe and then eventually H.J. Hines. So I got in that CPG business and had a pretty good run. Basically went for, for uh, you know, 20 years, a little over 20 years in the CPG industry and um, finished up as a regional manager at Hines. So it's always nice when you get a chance to, especially if you get some really good quality companies and you can work for them and you kind of get your working MBA, so to speak, you know, if you have entrepreneurial aspirations, there's nothing wrong with, you know, uh, learning your craft and getting paid for it. And obviously you don't want to be mailing that in when you're working for companies, you want to be doing your very best because as you're pushing the envelope working for somebody and you get more responsibility and you progress your career, is when you kind of build that tool chest. And I think I did that over my 20 years uh, in that industry and get to a point where then you're more well-prepared. If you still want to be an entrepreneur, it, it really does prepare you well. And I'd kind of 
tried a few different little things along the way and poked around on entrepreneurial things in a very cost effective way. But, um, you know, that took me to a point where I eventually did uh, take a package and I left and I started the main dish. Now, you're right. The, the frontline training has to be valuable. Um, but in addition to that, the, the network that you grow along the way, I know you, um, you know, you're the consummate, you know, I'll use the word schmoozer in the most complimentary way. You're, you're kind of guy that, that just really gets energy from people. And that is, in your case, has, has, you know, really fertilized this, this vast network of people that you can reach out to at just about any time. But if you're not blessed with sort of your natural inclination to, to meet people and to network that way, um, can it still be done? And what sort of advice would you give to those that are thinking, well, you know, I'm not a people person. Do I really need this in my, in my future? Yeah. You're going to have to dance with that at some point, no matter who you are. You know, I don't care if you're a bookkeeper, you know, you always hear the jokes about an accountant or um, someone who's more on, let's say on the, uh, on the back end engineering side. And you're going to hear, you're going to hear that said that, okay, they're not the most natural people, people. And that's not my strength. I tell you, the minute you get into your own business, you're going to need to be a people person. <laughs> so, you know, you're going to dance, you're going to dance that dance at some point networking. And I, I think I've even, you know, talked to students at SAID about this when I've helped out there. And I, I, I mean, getting, you don't need to be, you, you know, you may never be a natural and that may not be your, become your go-to, but at some point you need to pay attention to being able to network and meet people and learn that craft of being able to build relationships, establish relationships, get to know people is you're going to need that for your business, no matter what you're doing. I don't care if you're doing plumbing or accounting or you're doing, uh, you're doing, you know, computer technical support, you're going to need that if you're going to grow a business. So if you're just going to sit in a cubicle in your life and that's all you want, then that's cool too. But if you're going to have any sort of entrepreneurial bent, you're going to need to work on that interpersonal side and that networking side. Because the networking really is in a lot of ways in my history, I'd say that ability to network and to build relationships and to um, be able to, uh, you know, to, to build your business through people is really, I think is the number one important success factor. I think, I think, that is, uh, that is more so than anything, is that um, ability to connect. I remember when you came to me um, early 2000s with your business plan for the main dish, and I, I was just amazed with the circle of people that you had teamed up with, this, this group of very diverse business people who had been successful in their own ways doing different things, a lot of them in the hospitality industry, advisors and mentors and business partners, the list was endless. And I shouldn't have been surprised knowing that that was sort of the way you like to roll. But, um, but it's sort of his testimony to what you just said, that don't just pick up learning along the way, but pick up allies as well. So let's talk about the dish. Um, you, you said you took a package from Heinz. You obviously took a package knowing that you had something brewing inside of you. Where did that come from? You know, some will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur, which is sort of the sexy thing to say nowadays. But yeah. even in the early 2000s, we didn't throw that word around with as much you know, liberty as we do now. What, what was it inside of you that, um, that 
that wanted to be on your own in, in that particular industry? Yeah, I've met, you know, it's kind of a multi, I think a bit multifaceted when you look at that. It's, it's uh, realizing that whether you're looking at your future and you're saying, what's on my bucket list of things that I've got to do? What am I afraid of doing? I mean, that's a thing that people are using a lot too right now is do something every day that maybe scares you a little bit. Um, you, you know, it's feeling that you've kind of got good at a bunch of things and you, you don't want to be, you know, you want to test your ability to actually actualize some of the things that you believe you're strong at. It's the desire to maybe not have a boss anymore and be told what to do. Um, the desire to make more money. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff rolled up in that decision to go out on your own. Um, and you know, there's the fear factor. Are you, are you, uh, are you able to address those fears and step outside of that? You know, the old false evidence appearing real kind of definition of what fear is. Um, and I think, you know, for me, it was just a combined, a combined combination of all of those things. I, I looked and I said, I've had a long desire to be an entrepreneur. I've done a lot of talking and blabbed that I'm going to do it one day. And um, I had this idea that it usually always starts with an idea that you've gotten an unmet need, right? Yeah, that you see in the marketplace and it's something that you're passionate about. So, you know, I long kind of had this belief that the healthy eating, healthy, convenient eating was something that was lacking. I saw some businesses in the U.S. that were doing a good job of it. I thought Calgary really needed something like that where um, it was way easier to get a Big Mac and fries than it was quickly than it was, let's say, a, a chicken breast and a bowl of quinoa. So why is it that society makes it so easy to eat shitty food fast and they make it really inconvenient to eat healthy food fast? And that's really the genesis of the idea. And so once you have that passion and you've got this unmet need that you see out there um, that you feel like that you're suffering from, you're going, okay, I could really benefit from this. And it lines up well with the passion that you've got, which is food, which I always had. And then you look and you say, okay, do I, am I in a place in my life that I think I can, you know, I can pull this off and, and I'm up for the challenge. And, and because you need all those pieces of motivation to be able to dive into that because the work involved to get a business from nothing to something to raise, you know, business plan, uh, getting advisors, learning all the things you need to learn about your particular industry, um, raising money, and then actually building it, opening it, you know, managing it, leading it, all those things, um, promoting it, you know, all of that takes so much energy. And so if you don't have a big enough why, the old Simon Sinek thing, I mean, you're, you're dead in the water. You need a pretty big why. And it'll push you outside of your comfort zone in all kinds of ways that you never even thought. At which point for you, did you feel like this had gone beyond the point of no return? And even though there was still doubt in your mind, you had no option but to just full throttle. Well, I think I had, I had written up different versions of that business plan over time and presented it and started working it and then kind of mothballed it because I still had a job. I mean, the first step is when you, you, you know, you cut the ties, you, you hop in the boat and you, you cut the, you cut the, tie, you cut any ties to the, the island and uh, you leave the dock and you go and you're out in the open water. And that, uh, you, you know, so I did that when I, you know, you take a big package from your job, that's a big moment when you go, okay, I'm all in on this. Now I've got no more income. I've left my job. And uh, your urgency becomes a lot higher at that point. Um, 
because obviously now you don't have that safety net. You've said, okay, well, I'm definitely now, you know, I've left the safety of the shores and away I go. And then the next moment I think is once you start presenting to people and raising money, which is hard, but you start taking a check, you get a check from somebody. In my case, I was looking for chunks of 25,000 bucks. So you take $25,000 from somebody um, and you put in your own money like I did, you know, six figures. I mean, it's, it's real at that point, you know, that now you're all in and, you know, in some ways you just live off of adrenaline at that point. And I don't think for me, the moment of realization that, holy shit, what have I got myself into probably didn't really come to be until the night before I had to open my doors <laughs> and, and you build this place and then you go, shit, what if nobody shows up? <laughs> I was going to ask you about that very moment, not the night before, but the day of. Was it surreal? Or was it just, uh, did you finally exhale? What did it feel like? Um, it was a very brief moment of panic and a little, you know, and probably panic and excitement mixed. And then, and then you just get going, you know, and then you're just, and then you go and you do what you got to do to, um, you know, to, to take care of customers at that time or to get more customers. You just start getting into the throes of action at that point. But I mean, it was a feeling of pride and accomplishment, of course, too. It's your baby and people come by and, you know, you, you, you see, you know, you see what you've got and they, you know, I think in our case, we created something very unique and it was something to be proud of. And, and, uh, it was, you know, sizable achievement in what we did. And, um, and so, yeah, there's a, there's certainly, you don't laugh. That doesn't last long either. That kind of sense of accomplishment and that back padding, um, because then you're right after it and you're just saying, okay, well now, now this thing's got to work and you feel immense pressure to then deliver on your promise, right. For yourself and your family and your investors. Um, so, you know, we, we, we had a pretty good run with the business, you know, went 12 years and, um, rode out a bunch of economic ups and downs and we proved pretty resilient. We grew for most of those 12 years up until the very end. Uh, you know, the last economic downturn in 2015 was the only one that really took us down. And unfortunately that really did take us, you know, down to a point where we had to, we had to sell the business, but, um, and, and we, we didn't ideally get out of it what uh, we would have liked, uh, at that time. So, I mean, it was a bit of an ego blow, but, um, you know, we had created something, a certain legacy in that business, I think, over the years. And, you know, the learning there was um, we got very good at creating energy and revenue and driving successful business in the community. And, you know, early on, we had cornerstones that we believed in. We were doing, you know, social responsibility, corporate social responsibility before that was a thing. You know, we had taken a stance that we were giving back to amateur athletes in Calgary and sponsored Olympians and sponsored amateur athletes that were hoping to be Olympians. And that was a cornerstone giving back to bobsled Canada skeleton and, you know, like an Olympic program that was largely underfunded and helping them with food and um, had the privilege of going and serving athletes in Vancouver during the 2010 Olympics. We, we always gave back to Ronald McDonald house. So I think we gave back over $100,000 to Ronald McDonald House and to amateur athletes. So we had these cornerstones we put in place even when we were losing money because we kind of knew it was like, who are you when nobody's watching, right? One of those things. And, and is, it, is, that, is that really a cornerstone or is it a convenient cornerstone? So we did those things early on. I think that benefited over, us over time. And, uh, but you do all those things, but the thing that you realize is all those good things 
don't make up for the ability. You, you need to be profitable and you need to have a robust business. And that's probably the part that I, my learning and struggled with over time was, was creating a financially robust enough business. And that, uh, that was a big learning. And I think that's a struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs is making sure that the business can pay for itself, can pay you. And that's how a lot of entrepreneurs get into buying themselves a job, so to speak. And uh, they pay themselves last or take care of themselves last. And it's, uh, you know, you got to put that profit first. And that was a big learning over my time running main dish. Um, we did a lot of great things, but I don't think we did enough, right? We didn't do enough to make that business sustainable financially. I think anyone listening who remembers the main dish, which was not that long ago, and who benefited from the main dish, not only as customers, but as you say, some of the beneficiaries in the um, amateur sports world will remember fondly. But those who, who have either moved to Calgary in the last four or five years or, or were not aware of it, it was, um, it was part of that whole redevelopment of Bridgeland. Uh, you were one of the anchor tenants down there when they blew up the old hospital and they cleared the ground for commercial and residential and you were one of the first ones in there i know that the location you you belabored for a long time and then there was a time when you thought well it's time to expand the main dish and you were looking at other locations all the while as you said making sure that uh, that you had this this really on brand course of giving back i remember going out of the main dish on several occasions with my daughter and her being in awe of some of the olympians that you had down there kaylee humphreys comes to mind and Kaylee was was uh, letting everybody, including my daughter, wear her bounty of medals, and they almost brought her to the floor, the weight of them, and my little five-year-old kid at the time. And it was a happy place, you know. It was a it was a place of great energy. And on nights when when uh, you know you were at sort of the peaks of that cycle, it was it was awesome. And to get you to visit at those times was impossible because being who you were you would work the room as if it was your living room, making sure that people were comfortable and asking for their honest opinion of menu and how was the meal and everything else. So I was always proud of what you accomplished there and, and, you know, for the business learnings that you've, that you've gained, uh, I'm sure that uh, there's, there's, there must still be a sense of pride there. So let's yeah. fast forward a bit over the last couple of years of main dish and I'm sure probably earlier, you began to sense that there was even a, a I don't want to use the word smaller, but there was a niche within the niche of healthy, quick food. And that, that gave rise to the, the concept of fit kitchen. So walk us through that. Yeah. And for those that don't know, you know, main dish was a very, uh, you know, was a pioneer in that fresh, healthy market business, right? So it was a restaurant with takeout and then a huge, big, I call it a deli counter on steroids that had all fresh prep, veg, proteins, starches, um, healthy salads, deli salads, that kind of stuff. And so you could take out, you take out a hot meal, you had wine bar, coffee bar. Um, so it was a, it's definitely a, a sensory experience, right? That everything, you know, taste, taste, touch, smell, sight, all those things um, were encompassed in the dish, right? It was a, it was a celebration of food, but it was healthy food. And so we kind of came upon with our athletes and people that really wanted the healthy aspect that they wanted portion controlled meals and they wanted to know the macronutrients and everything we did. So we did a lot of healthy food, but there was a huge segment of the market that wanted to know if I have a chicken breast and I have some broccoli and I have some carrots and, and then I've got a quinoa salad on the side, what am I getting for my macros and what, what would you recommend? And I started to end up doing meal plans for Calgary Stampeders, NHL players, 
you know, working with Olympic athletes, you know, we like we had quite a stable of, and quite an influence in the city. Um, college football teams. Um, it was it was it was a neat place to be. So we realized that was a separate business, and that's when we pivoted. And real quick, we saw again looking down south of the border some examples of <clears throat> takeaway places, and uh, we got into the prep meal business early on. Again, uh, we were one of the very first to do that. Very first retail location we opened up Thick Kitchen in 2015. We went from idea to execution on that in uh, basically less than a year, well under a year. So, you know, we, we came up with the concept and basically came up, raised money, got the location, created menus, the whole website, everything. You know, we, we created a business in, in, you know, I think it was actually around nine months. So we moved on that fast and uh, opened up Fit Kitchen, which again was a store that had grab and go meals and performance or weight loss, lean as we call it, uh, small, large sizes. And uh, it was all fresh. Meals were, are good for basically four to five days and uh, very portable. And, you, and then we also had an online delivery aspect that you could get them delivered as well. And so, yeah, we, we had created that business and, and that's still going. That's uh, gone again it's it's kind of gone through highs and lows over the last since 2015 but uh, most recently now it's it's focused exclusively on on the meal delivery side on the online delivery aspect we closed the retail store in mckenzie town in november prior to uh the covid crisis thankfully uh, we had to walk away unfortunately during the tough economy we're unable to sell that location so again you know, you got to eat some humble pie at times. And that was pretty tough walking away from a big investment in a retail location, but it's one of those clear cases where as a business operator, you go, you know, it's better to, I don't know that movie 27 hours. I think it was better to cut off the arm and get out of there than basically take the whole body down. So we realized we needed to walk away from retail and focus on online. And uh, that, as it's turned out, that's proved very beneficial because as of right now, we're, fairly busy with what we're doing and and we like to look at it like we're helping Calgarians through a very tough time by bringing them healthy convenient meals that they don't need to be shopping maybe don't want to cook as much as they're doing um, and uh, we're able to provide them something that that really relieves a lot of stress by giving them healthy meals that we deliver to their door in a kind of con in a contact free way and uh, so it's been an interesting pivot we've had a year of had probably a couple of years of very, you know, high challenges, probably since 2017, to be honest, when we left the main dish and being able to get where we are today, it's been kind of been quite a journey, but boy, oh boy, you learn through all of that. Mainly you learn that um, you don't let any one experience define you, you know, and uh, it's easy as a, you know, to look outside of yourself and judge yourself against others in anything you do. And you really, you, you know, uh, I've learned that, and I'm still not the best at it, but I'm, I spend more time in being able to say, isolate and, you know, put a, put a kind of bit of a fence around each experience and go, okay, however that was, let's take the good and the bad out of it, but that doesn't define me. And so main dish was great. And there was a lot of good, you know, did we maybe sell that when we could have sold it at the peak and we didn't, we maybe wrote it out, didn't got into when we sold it, when things were down. So you, but you look at each experience and you go, okay, well, what was amazing out of that? Don't just judge that as a success or failure. You take the learnings and then when you open something in your next chapter, it's a clean slate and uh, it's a blank, it's a, it's a blank piece of paper. And what's that new experience going to be about? So become a lot better at understanding that as long as you're moving forward, 
and you're taking those learnings and you're moving forward, you're good. The only time that I think you could say you're not going to be successful, and you, if you really want to uh, say it, you know, if you're if you stop and you don't keep moving, then then that's in my mind that's unsuccessful because then you're not taking all of that hard work and effort that you put in, and you're not continuing the journey of moving forward and taking those learnings. Um, because really, as long as you're doing that and you're another step forward, you know, one step ahead of the other on the journey, you're you're successful. And that's life though, right? So we're all going to have those setbacks and don't let any of those past failures and successes just be your, identify you. Um, make sure you take yourself beyond that. And that's what I think we've been good at over the last couple of years, right? Is that redefining and creating a clean slate of paper all the time and saying, what's, you know, what's the new definition of what we're going to be about and understanding that you're, you know, live in the moment and understand that the past is the past and moving forward, what are we going to be about? Um, because you can define yourself with every next action you take. It's interesting. I remember um, discussing with you the plan going forward after the closure of the um, the store in Mackenzie Town. You know, I, re- I recall being first impressed, not but not surprised with your demeanor. It was sort of like, all right, there goes another idea, but bring on something else. And so you you certainly embodied and you were you were walking that talk. You know, if if you were to SWAT kind of the fit kitchen situation at the time, you know, you would have said one of the strengths that you had executed in, in its recent past was to create kind of a commercial kitchen scenario where you were able to produce meals all, all, with all of the healthy ingredients that you do in a more efficient way off-site from the retail store that you closed. So that was definitely, I look back at what you've done and I thought that was one of the smartest decisions that you made. Maybe elaborate a little bit about that before we kind of bring things up to present day. We, we got good at what, we got really good at what we did, whether it was main dish or fit kitchen. Like we had a good team. I, I think there's some of the basics, Dave, that I'm sure you help many of your students with and, and some of your business customers that you're dealing with. I mean, there's some of these basics and that's a classic is surrounding yourself with great people. And I think we're always really good at that. And so we became pretty good at our craft. So at one point, through main dish fit kitchen, we had like probably five businesses going. We we were doing for a small business group, like we were doing over three million in revenue and 40 employees. And you know, we had all these kitchens going. We had a lot of corporate kitchens and or in schools running their cafes. And so we learned that you know we had an opportunity to do uh, a rent-free commissary kitchen at the same time as taking care of a local company's cafe. That allowed us to actually open a retail location save money on building out a full kitchen and having to cook on site. And so it became more of a brand building retail experience that became easier to operate, low staffing, low overhead as much as possible. And that made it easier to step away, never easy to step away, but it allowed us to continue to operate Fit Kitchen as a business when the economy forced us to look at whether retail was going to work. And so when we closed down retail, we were effectively just closing down a distribution point, not the production kitchen. So the business could stay in business and we were smart enough to set up different companies as well. And as I said earlier, there's a ton of learning, right? I've become really good at learning, setting up companies. I'm not an expert, but enough to know retail leases, knowing setting up corporations and the different benefits of how you structure your company. And so we, we were fortunate enough to, you know, to, uh, uh, again, put, uh, put a fence around each of those businesses. So when we, 
closed our retail location, it didn't affect the production and the, the fit kitchen business as a, when it comes to producing meals and being able to do our online business. So that was, um, that allowed us to continue on after, uh, after again, having to shut the doors on the retail experience in November. So, so that, that happens was, in November. And then, you know, you're, you're kind of putting back into place the pieces that made the fit kitchen successful with some of the DNA from the main dish and, you know, what you'd brought with a lifetime of professional experience and we're ready to come out of the gate. And you did in 2020 with this fresh new start again, to borrow one of your analogies and two months in this virus contaminates the world. Mm -hmm. And what you did or what you've been able to do. And it's just sort of one of those cases where I think fate falling right side up in this case is, is you've been able to really prove the value of what you do through this. Yeah. And I think a couple of things there, Dave, that's uh, that I'd share is I said it a bit earlier is that, you know, we're all, it's how we define ourselves. Um, so at the end of the day, it's up to each of us to define how we see ourselves and, to define if we're if we're successful or not successful or where we are in our journey. It's a personal decision, you know, and I gave that example of earlier, but it, at the end of the day, that's up to us to set what, how we frame our experiences. And, and so I think coming out of those, uh, you know, what happened in the fall and closing the store, we kind of got into a mindset or I did of getting back into that creative mode and defining myself as, okay, we're, we're starting a new version, a new chapter. And that's important for everybody to know that you, you know, it starts with each individual. And in that case, I reached out, I got creative again, reached out to you, for example, who do I have in my network that can help me? And, and being humble enough, I think being humble is key as an entrepreneur as well to say what, no matter the fact that I'm in my fifties and I've been doing business a long time, I, there's a lot of stuff. I don't know what I don't know. And sometimes I, we all need, a kickstart. So, you know, I reached out to you, for example, like what do we need to do to create the energy? I've watched a lot of younger entrepreneurs create some really cool, successful businesses in the health and wellness space. Like what do we need to do? And so I think going into 2020, we had already started through the guidance of working with uh, undoing, for example, with your group, your whole message was the intensity around consistent messaging on what your values are and what you believe. And we started going down well, health and wellness and community were really important and what is fit kitchen about and how is that meaningful to people, to our business partners, to our community, and more importantly to our consumers. And I think anytime that you, I've heard this before and I, I really love it, but when you take your, forget about the dollars and you dive in deep into relationships and you spend your time making sure that your business delivers on all those aspects, the rest will take care of itself. And so we started doing that early in the year where we started with the Fit60 program talking about health and wellness and how Fit Kitchen can play a role. And we just started having conversations around that. Then the next thing was talking about the community and our community business partners and uh, the excitement that we've got around our food and our product and taking care of uh, individuals with what we do. And so when COVID came, we were already, you know, we had that intensity of messaging through social media and, and our regular email communication that we do with our customers um, LinkedIn, all the different pieces that, that you're using, we were already starting to have that dialogue. So when things happened with COVID, we were already fully immersed in taking care of people and the community. And this was just pivoting to figure out, okay, well, with the new reality, we're already, we're already having that conversation, but what can we do to take that to another level to make sure that, again, you know, we're doing our very best to adopt to these times and adapt to these times. And, uh, 
add value. And I, I think that's why that's kept us busy. And, you know, we're thriving right now. And I think thriving, not only, you know, we're doing well business wise, but I think we're thriving create creatively, um, energy wise, mentally, you know, through this time, because people were as a group, our little team, we've had to lay off people because we've lost part of our business for our traditional cafe side. But the team that remains, you know, we're really energized by what we're doing because I think we feel we're doing meaningful work. Specifically, as we record this interview, you just introduced your Caring Kitchen campaign. Talk a little bit about that. Caring Kitchen is a program that tackles two things that we wanted to do. Uh, we, we really kind of care about the community. So we're thinking about who's, who's out there that needs a handout. People, like individuals, families in isolation, coming back from out of the country or not doing well with COVID. And they just simply need somebody to help them, financially distressed. Frontline workers who are working their ass off that need a hand. So what can we do there? And then how do we help other small, small businesses with getting word of their product out there and getting profile, raising their profile and keeping them in the conversation and introducing them to new people? So basically we take nominations on a weekly basis from Calgarians to let us know about people that may need a hand out. We've built uh, relationships with all of our different vendor partners and other local businesses to provide products that they've got in a community gift basket. And every week we pick somebody who's a recipient of Fit Kitchen Meals and a community gift basket of local products that, uh, that these suppliers provide us. And so with that, we're doing something great, positive, helping somebody and at the same time really helping these small businesses get the word out about their products and giving them something that when this does end, and it will end, that they've got a whole new legion of followers. And so we just, we're on week two of this and we'll keep going until such time as, you know, God willing, this ends and uh, some, a lot of this kind of goes away and but we'll, we'll keep going for the foreseeable future. It's been a great journey, Jason, and great talking to you. Finally getting this on tape, something that we've been meaning to do for a long time. And you're right, I agree we'll get through this and there will be more hurdles to overcome for everybody. And, and for you as well, I think you provided some wisdom for those that maybe are just facing their first hurdle now. Looking at the future, how would you like people to think about Fit Kitchen? We play this brand association game just about to close off all of our interviews. And I ask people like you, how would you like to be thought of in five years when, when people hear the, the words Fit Kitchen? I think that uh, the way that I like to think that people see us now and moving forward is uh, a company that really has the individual and the community has done a nice job of actually taking care of all its stakeholders um, while providing a meaningful service to keep people. It really lives up to its brand promise. And so when someone is eating and taking, you know, using Fit Kitchen as some as a service to provide healthy meals for themselves, they realize that by supporting Fit Kitchen and buying those meals, they've also added value to their community through the work that we do outside of it. Now, that seems kind of canned because a lot of companies do that. But, you know, that's, uh, I'd like to think that we're authentic in that and that we've got some heritage and, and some roots in, in what we do there. So ultimately, yeah, I think that that's something when people look back, if they can say, you know what, through Fit Kitchen and the heritage of even Main Dish, uh, there is a local company in the food business in Calgary that really made Calgary a better place to be over and above helping everybody live a healthier lifestyle. And they're very congruent with their promise of what they wanted to bring to market. And so if people would say that about us, I feel like we did a pretty good job. Great place to end. Thanks buddy. 
Thanks, Dave. I appreciate the time, man. It's been good. Jason's Aaron at Fit Kitchen. Delivering more meals these days than he might have thought possible. But the self-isolation and grocery store avoidance has given his healthy meal prep company a second win. You can get involved in his Caring Kitchen campaign by nominating a family who could really use a day's worth of meals at a Calgary Small Business Community gift basket. Find out how on Instagram at FitKitchenYYC. Stay healthy and safe, and thanks for making us your background noise. It means a lot.